Welcome to Technovation. I'm your host, Peter High. My guest today is Steve Yates. Steve is a storied former chief information officer and board member. I became fascinated with Steve's story as a tech and business leader when I learned of the number of trails he's blazed. Steve is one of the earliest heads of technology to report to a chief executive officer. He was one of the first to run technology and other disciplines, adding an operations function at Ubasco Services and adding logistics at Rockwell Automation to his roles as a head of technology. In all, Steve was the head of technology at six major companies, including at USAA and a key bank. He was also perhaps the earliest chief information officer to be asked to join a board of a scaled organization, that of Applied Industrial Technology, and then an American Century Investment, whose board he continues to serve on today. Steve's had a remarkable journey, and I look forward to hearing more about it here. Steve, welcome to Technovation. It's great to see you today. Thank you, Peter. Good to be here. And now for a word from our partner, Quantify, and the company's co-founder and president, Asif Hassan. Asif, what do you see as differentiating factors between those companies that successfully harness the power of AI and those that don't? Sure. So, Peter, in the last 10 years, uh, we've done over 2,500 AI projects across over 350 customers in nine industries. And we see a few common patterns in the ones who have got it right. So the first factor is culture. The most successful organizations foster a culture of curiosity and experimentation. Second is the presence of a champion, someone who's a true believer in the power of AI and is willing to let the team experiment, fail, learn, and evolve. Third, of course, the technology and talent enablement plays a big role. And the last, but definitely not the least, these businesses have thought about the human aspect of the work that they are going to do with AI. And when the confluence of these factors has happened, we have seen magic happen, and these customer relationships have grown bigger and faster than what we would have ever imagined. And now on to the interview. Well, Steve, I've been looking forward to our conversation. Um, you and I uh, have gotten to, got to know each other relatively recently, and I had a, really enjoyed getting to know a bit more about you and, and your story as a technology executive across a number of interesting uh, organizations and, frankly, your rise as a, as a business leader at the same time uh, to include board membership and, and other sets of responsibilities. And I, I'd love to maybe begin at the beginning of your of your journey in technology, where, where how you sort of became connected to the discipline. Can you talk a bit about the roots of your, your pathway uh, towards becoming a technology executive? Yes, I was an engineer by education, uh, industrial engineer, and we had to take a few computer courses in the late 60s, and I uh, found that interesting. Uh, so I got a job as part-time worker at the computer center of the university. This is in Alabama, University of Alabama. Uh, so I spent two years while I was in graduate school there, working at nights in the computer center. And I really liked the technical end of it. So I, I went down that path. When I graduated, I went to work for a gas company in Dallas, Texas, in their IT department. And uh, I was doing systems work there. So that's, that's what got me started. I found that easier than engineering. <laughs> and tell me, like, talk a bit about the substance of work in an IT department at the time at which you would have joined one. Well, um, it was classic, uh, mostly uh, business administration type systems. You know, we had the uh, financial systems, if you will, for the company, the billing systems, the payroll systems, and what I guess you'd call the back office type things. There was relatively few front office systems that really ran the business, if you will, intellectual property of the business in those days. Uh, so it was more of a technology role uh, in IT in those days. In fact, my bent was around the technical side of the house. That certainly makes sense, I suppose, given your background. 
Talk a bit about, if you would, your pathway to becoming uh, somebody who would eventually, several times over, uh, lead technology functions. I believe you told me that it was at Pool, an oil and drilling company, where you had your first uh, department head job. It wouldn't yet uh, be called a chief information officer, but in essence, uh, the top technology job. Uh, Talk a bit about your pathway towards taking an executive role like that. Well, the gas company I worked for in Dallas owned uh, other companies in the energy business, and one of them was a drilling company in Houston. So uh, they made a decision to split off the drilling company, administratively speaking. So they had them set up their own computer center, their own IT department in Houston. So I was transferred to that company called Pool, P-O-O-L. And uh, we set up an IT department from scratch. I was given the job as head of the department. So I had, I had uh, three employees that went with me from Dallas and we set up shop. And talk a bit about, uh, you know, especially as, as you reflect on what would become your roles as a, as a chief information officer at very consequential uh, organizations with hundreds of people uh, working working for you. It's, it sounds like a relatively simple start, three employees setting it up, uh, but there was, wasn't necessarily a lot of precedent for that, I wouldn't imagine. And, and I wonder, where did you draw inspiration from as you were determining how best to develop an IT department from scratch? Well, I had had uh, a previous few jobs. I had worked uh, when I left the gas company. Actually, I went had a short stint with Coca-Cola headquarters in Atlanta for a few years. I also worked for the Federal Reserve Bank in Dallas for a few years. So I had the uh, good luck of working in a couple of different companies, different kinds of IT departments, both large and small. But I think my real uh, experience started gaining when uh, after a few years at Pool Company, uh, actually six years, I was transferred to another sister company in Manhattan, in the World Trade Center, called Ibasco Services. And Ibasco was an engineering design firm. They built big power plants, nuclear plants, dams, uh, generating plants. And there I was given the job to run the IT function, but I was also given responsibility for an operating engineering group. So I I was, uh, for the first time, put over kind of the business, if you will, as well as the technology. And that that group did a lot of uh, kind of special projects, I guess you'd call them. We did some more of the advanced engineering projects. And that really kind of brought me a little bit out of the pure IT realm. From there, I went to, uh, I took a job back in Houston, drawn back to the petroleum industry. I worked for an engineering construction firm in Houston called Brown and Root. And Brown and Root uh, was big in the petroleum business. They built offshore oil platforms around the world, things like that, very large projects. Um, But there I was only doing IT functions again, uh, and then from there, I had an opportunity to uh, go to Rockwell Automation. And Rockwell Automation built electronic control systems for factories, as well as things like Disney World. They're the things that control the rods, they built that kind of technology. And there I was given the responsibility of both technology and logistics, which was all the uh, parts distribution, the warehousing and distribution of the product around the world. So for that was another time that I was kind of stepped over into the operating side of the house and got to see a, a different side of the business. That, that's interesting. I want, I want pausing there for a second. The fact that two of those uh, three roles in in, in uh, succession included a broader purview, Steve. I suppose it must have given you a greater appreciation for the breadth and reach uh, of technology, as well as some of the symbiosis between that function and. Uh, those those other uh, sets of responsibilities that you mentioned, whether uh, the operations responsibilities at Abasco, 
uh, or, or the the tech and logistics, the logistics responsibilities being the the second set of responsibilities at Rockwell Automation. Um, it strikes me that was probably f- pretty early on for a technology leader to have that kind of breadth, that kind of reach to adjacent areas in addition to technology. And I wonder what lessons you drew from that in terms of the symbiosis between technology and other functions. Well, I was fortunate, Peter, that uh, in these last two jobs I described, I was able to report to the CEO. So uh, that gave me a seat at the big table, if you will, to kind of see the business managers, the, the heads of lines of business, and uh, a lot of a lot of different contexts. So it gave me a real taste of the business, if you will, you know, well beyond just the system side of it. And that drew my interest. I was drawn to, you know, how the business was operated and uh, fascination with how we could use the technology to really help the business. This was in a time when probably the idea of uh, process engineering was just kind of coming along. The idea of kind of re-engineering your business processes and applying automation to make that happen. So I, I was kind of early on into that. My engineering education, it helped me kind of prepare myself for that uh, revolution, if you will, in business thinking. So I think that drew me in. I think that that was uh, kind of led me along. Steve, your tenure with Rockwell Automation was in the 1990s, and you would join USAA in 1999. Talk a bit about that pivot, if you would, as well. Uh, yes, that was... Uh, that was a very uh, good opportunity for me. Uh, USA is a very large financial services company, insurance, banking. Like most of those companies, they have very large IT departments, you know, hundreds if not thousands of, of IT people. And uh, I found that interesting to, to take on such a challenge, a large budget. We had about a $1 billion budget back then, and I'd never been around a, a budget that size. I found that very interesting. Uh, what the CEO was looking for was someone to really advance application of the technology into the business. Whereas we were seeing the early days of the internet, uh, the CEO had a vision that we should put all of our products on the internet. Now think about that, this is 1999. This, this was a pretty advanced vision. We barely had an internet where you could inquire about certain things and get papers and forums and things like that, but you couldn't buy anything from us. Uh, in those days, 1999. So we went down that road uh, together. I reported to the CEO, and we spent a great deal of focus the next several years I was there on trying to bring the business to the internet and, uh, take, and of course, have to change the processes. We, you know, we didn't have processes for having the risk. You know, how do you underrate insurance? You know, when somebody comes online, how do you know if they're honest in their answers and they're credit worthy and so forth? So we had to... Uh, Swallow hard a lot of times. The businesses, of course, the business leaders were very uncertain about this idea. You know, they were very steeped in the way they had done business forever. And uh, this change was uh, traumatic for all of us. So we had a lot of ups and downs, you might say, in those years. But I worked very closely with the businesses uh, during that time. And I was reporting to the CEO. So we were in all of our weekly business meetings. We were all the business heads were together. I got to learn a lot about the financial services industry. Uh, an industry you would stay on in in, uh, in 2004, you joined KeyBank. And talk a bit about uh, that transition as well and a bit about the, the setup of your role in that organization, if you would. Well, I uh, I went there because I when I was at USAA, I had been invited to join the public board of a corporation called Applied Industrial Technology. This is a industrial parts distributor uh, across all of North America. They have uh, hundreds and hundreds of branch stores. And... Uh, I had worked at Rockwell for 
the uh, CEO had applied. He had Rockwell, he had been a division head and uh, he took the job as CEO of this company applied. He called me and said, would you like to join my board? So uh, I was at a board meeting in Cleveland and uh, I was uh, exiting USAA. I had actually retired from USAA and uh, a gentleman called me from the airport and uh, my CEO did, the, my board chair. And he said, hey, my bank is looking for a CIO. Would you be interested in working for them? I said, well, I, I thought I was retiring, but I'll talk to them. That led to a job at uh, KeyBank for five years. In the key bank, I went there to run the technology operation. But after I was there for a few years, uh, I was also given responsibility for many of the back office operating functions, you know, the mortgage processing, the loan processing, checks processing, you know, basically what you call the back office of the bank. Yeah, it, very, very interesting. And I, I find it fascinating that it was uh, circa 2000 that you joined the Applied Industrial Technology Board. Granted, as you pointed out, uh, it was a, a former colleague of yours who was taking on the chief executive role or, or had taken on the chief executive role of the company. Boy, this was very, very early, uh, the earliest I've ever heard of, in fact, I've, um, of a technology executive being invited to a board uh, of a company. Talk a bit about what you think it was, other than, of course, your relationship with a, with a key influencer there. Uh, that he was looking for in having a technologist on a board at a time, frankly, when that was very unusual. Yeah, I, I really don't know what his motives were, uh, Peter, <laughs> but uh, if I had to guess, uh, I would have to say that uh, we went through some tough times together at Rockwell. At the time, we had a project going to put in Enterprise Requirements Planning System, an ERP system. Uh, we were a manufacturer of electronic components around the, and distributed them around the world. And we were going to a whole new you know, system for manufacturing and accounting and warehousing. Uh, it was a tough journey. Those, those systems were very, very traumatic conversions for companies. At the same time in Europe, they were putting in the euro currency. And uh, we at the time had 22 countries with 22 different computer systems. Uh, you know, each little country had its own currency uh, and each one kept its own set of books. And we made the decision as a company at Rockwell that we were going to centralize into this new ERP system, put everybody on the Euro, and we were going to run the back office out of Amsterdam, just one office location, consolidate all that back office processing. And the same thing with the inventory. We had about 27 warehouses, small warehouses around Europe. We were going to centralize that in Rotterdam, outside of Rotterdam. We had this mega project, if you will, to completely restructure Europe our European operations, put in this whole new system at the same time and relocate a lot of people. Uh, and that was my responsibility since I had both the logistics, all the warehousing and all the IT responsibility. That was kind of my uh, follow my sword project, if you will. <laughs> I worked on that uh, very hard for several years. And he was part of that. Like I said, he was one of the division heads. So we got to know each other real well, up close and personal. Uh, through that process. And uh, I have to assume he developed a respect for my work ethic. Well, that certainly makes sense, uh, Steve. Um, you, you would go on. That was not the only board uh, position you would take on. You also uh, joined and are con continue to be on the board of American Century Investments. Uh, talk a bit about how that opportunity presented itself, if you would. Yes. Uh, um, just as I was uh, retiring from Key Bank, I was, I was I'd been on the board with uh, applied industrial technology for 11 years, I believe, 10, 11 years. 
I was getting ready to retire, retire, and I was coming off that board. I got a call from uh, an ex-CFO, the chief financial officer at Applied there in Cleveland, saying, you know, I'm on a board of this company called American Century, and would you be interested in being on it? Uh, I had met John, the uh, CFO, through my board meetings and applied the 10 years I'd been there. He had always been at the board meetings as a chief financial officer. And uh, once again, you know, we weren't close personal friends or anything, but I, I guess he had developed a uh, respect for my position in the board, my activities there. And uh, he thought I'd make a good uh, board member for American Century. So I interviewed for the job and uh, I was uh, taken on about the same year that I was uh, ended by a term and applied. And uh, I've been there ever since. Yeah, very interesting. Well, you know, as I say, you, your, uh, the time at which you joined a board is as early as I've ever heard of uh, for a technologist to have done so. You also, I want to go back to an earlier point you raised, and that is, it was, uh, I believe, I mean, please correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, in the early 90s, if not earlier, that you began reporting to a chief executive officer at a time where the heads of technology typically reported to chief financial officers of organizations. So there, there are a variety of, uh, if not first, then let's say very early uh, examples of you setting some trends that thankfully are gaining momentum, but in both cases, there's still a lot of room to to grow uh, among your former peers as the heads of tech and digital, many of whom still do not report to CEOs and certainly uh, most of whom do not jo- have not yet had the opportunity to join boards. That still remains a fairly exclusive club as well. And I wonder, Steve, was there something different about your makeup? Uh, you know, you're such a humble person, so I'm actually asking you a question that perhaps is going to be pushing you to uh, pass your comfort zone on the on uh, in terms of humility. But you, the fact that you accomplished several of these firsts uh, would suggest that perhaps you also had a different vision or a different way of enacting the role that made others who might otherwise uh, be uncomfortable with a technologist very different from perhaps the kinds of backgrounds and, and, and ways of thinking uh, of more traditional business executives, if you will, I put that in quotes, were there some differences in the way you operated, the way you the way you were oriented uh, that that made people who would otherwise be uncomfortable uh, give you those opportunities? That's a complex question, Peter. I, uh, <laughs> I'm not sure. I, I uh, you know I have to say when I look at some of my peers and kind of differences to draw an answer for you, uh, I seem to have a real interest in the business. I've always had kind of an interest in the, what the business was doing. I grew up in the dry cleaning industry. My dad owned the dry cleaners. He owned four or five of them. And uh, so I, I grew up kind of under a business owner. So I was I had a, a sensitivity, I guess, to a business and the risk involved and cash flow and making the payroll and paying taxes and all that kind of stuff. I guess always um, I had that kind of in my interest level. I always liked the business aspect of it. You know, what are we doing this IT for? I mean, who are we serving here? You know, and how do we serve them better? How do we use this technology to really make the business go? I think, you know, I worked with other people that had much better technical skills than I did. And I think that was their happy spot, if you will, was the pure technology. You know, either the operating systems or the programming or systems analysis, project management, a lot of these things that they were really good at and focused on. I think I always enjoyed, uh, maybe as the grass is greener on the other side, I guess. I always like looking to the business and saying, you know, what can we be doing over here for you? You know, what can I do to help you run the business? 
So I always found it very comfortable for me to go out and visit visit with the business heads. You know, as I, when I was at USA, I'd spend a lot of time in the offices of my business heads asking the question, you know, how are we doing for you? And two, what can we do for you? you know, what's happening in your business that's hurting you? You know, what, 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 what problems are you having or what friction is there in the business or competitive challenges? Internet was birthing at that time. So I'd, I'd be asking them, you know, do you know what your competitors are doing on the internet? Have you, have you got out and looked to see how much transaction work can be done on the internet? And so I was very comfortable, you know, dealing with them uh, at their level, if you will. Not that I knew as much as they did at all about the business, but I, I, I was very comfortable and I guess I was the age at the time, you know, I was pretty much an age peer. It was easy to say to them, you know, have you been on the internet? Do you know, do you know what the CEO is asking for when he says, I want to run the whole business on the internet? Do you have a, a, an aspect? I think maybe that was part of what was different. And I was, I was always very comfortable and very interested in applying the technology to the business, actually making it work and seeing something good come from it. Steve, as you reflect upon your rise and and your uh, the growth of your your purview uh, and reputation in the firms that you served, were there process changes that you helped enact that uh, accentuated that 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 uh, set of responsibilities and your reputation in some of the businesses that you served? It did, Peter. I, I think it did. Uh, you know, if you're asking me uh, really what helped transfer my career from pure IT into uh, general business management, I would say that had a major role in it. Uh, I was around in the late 80s when this concept of business process reengineering or systems engineering or what term you might use for it uh, was very popularized. A lot of companies were uh, looking at the Japanese success in manufacturing and trying to bring a lot of that success into America. The whole quality movement was kind of around this. You know, how do we redesign our processes to get a, a better product and more efficient, what have you, more cost effective? Uh, my industrial engineering experience kind of played right into this. A lot of my education college was around process engineering. So uh, I, I went to that really quickly. And uh, I tried to apply that very much in uh, technology. I, I spent a fair amount of time with the business leaders talking about that. And uh, we worked with consultants. We would hire consultants to come in and uh, lead some business process reengineering efforts. We did everything we could to apply the technology to those things those thoughts. And uh, that more and more took me into the eyes of the business as more of a, uh, a business process person, if you will, that uh, had interest in the success and the processes of the business than just the pure technology. And uh, of course, I tried to play that up. <laughs> I tried to blow my own horn as much as I could. So uh, I, uh, I played that game as hard as I could. And I, I tried to be good at it. And uh, I think it helped the businesses. And uh, so we were all happy with that. And uh, I, I believe that gave me a little bit of a, more of an opportunity to be seen in that light. Yeah, I, what, a, what, a, what a great response to that, Steve. I really appreciate it. Also, the diversity of companies you were a part of, from oil and drilling to engineering design to engineering construction, electronic control systems to a couple of major financial institutions, very different businesses across your journey. And I suppose that curiosity that you described uh, served you well in helping you learn the different aspects of each of these businesses and, and the industries they were a part of. Did you find that there were more similarities than differences across these organizations? Or uh, was there a, a factor of sort of learning a new 
uh, how technology would be applied based upon the companies you were with? I think there were more similarities than not. There was a steep learning curve each time I changed industry, of course, you know, whole new vocabulary, new people, uh, you know, new regulation. Uh, so I, I was uh, pretty naive a lot of times going into these jobs, really trying to run a something that I didn't know much about. But uh, I tried to learn the systems in that particular industry. You know, what I, what I learned was common was, you know, project management was the same everywhere. You know, it's so easy to dream about systems and estimate systems and then have a terrible time trying to meet those dates and meet those estimates. So, you know, the process of building systems and implementing systems was the same everywhere. I mean, it was just as difficult in manufacturing as it was in engineering or it was in uh, financial systems. We struggled everywhere. So a lot of the uh, techniques I could carry, you know, lessons learned, if you will, mistakes made from industry to industry and applied very easily. I also learned, I guess, that uh, some industries are much more dependent on IT than others. Uh, the financial service industry was far, far more dependent on it than uh, any of the others, uh, very much so. And as the years went by with the internet, it became even more and more so as things became more self-service. You know, we had to be up all the time. You know, that, that, that whole concept of 24 hours up was really radically new in 2000. Uh, for us, backup computer centers, things like that, we're all uh, we're having a pioneer of that kind of stuff. Uh, so I I found that um, the more dependent on it was, really the more enjoyable it was working in that industry, because you could really see, you know, you could go home at night knowing that you were part of the business. You know, you you reported to the CEO, and you didn't run any of the business, but you know everybody in the room was very dependent on you and your staff. And so we had a lot of mutual respect for each other. Was, I, I was viewed as a peer, and I, I appreciated that very much. And I was paid very well, probably more than I was ever worth. And so it was, it was a good feeling to be part of a, to have your technology be, you know, really part of the home team. And how did you stay current, Steve? Uh, technology then as now was fa- fast moving. Uh, what constituted innovation and, and value creation at the beginning of your journey was very different than at the end of your journey. Uh, and part of it, I'm sure, is just the day-to-day learning of, of being immersed in these roles. But what, what resources did you leverage uh, or do you now even uh, as, a, as a board member to stay current on technology and its potential use or value to, to companies that you've either helped operate or help advise? It seems like every uh, industry has a trade association you know, and people do publications uh, specifically you know, to that industry. So I've always subscribed to things. You know, I remember years ago, early days, the Gardner Group was a real source of wisdom, if you will, in the IT business. You know, they did these research papers and they did studies on things and they published uh, books. Forrester was a, another research company. I remember those names. So I, I used to subscribe to those, my IT departments did. And we encouraged everybody to go to the seminars. We used to participate in organizations called Guide and Share when IBM ran the world back in the 70s and 80s, uh, so to speak. Uh, they, they were big trade association type user groups. So I was always active in those things. I would go three or four times a year to these, these week sessions and try to learn from other companies. Back when we were all mainframe kind of companies, we would all get together these uh, trade groups and uh, people were very open about exchanging software, you know, stuff they'd written themselves and things and ideas. 
that's probably become more competitive now that we're internet oriented. Everybody's uh, very much in direct competition, it seems. Um, but th that was one. And of course, even today, you know, I subscribe to probably about three publications in the securities industry where I get daily and weekly updates on what's going on with regulation, you know, what's going on with uh, SEC violations, you know, what's going on in legal trials, court cases, lawsuits in the industry. Uh, as a board member, trying to stay abreast of, you know, what we're, what what's going on. Because most of our responsibility for a financial service organization is uh, SEC regulatory related. You know, are we are we living by all the rules? And is our companies living by all the rules? And uh, there's a lot of rules in the financial services industry, and they change often. So a lot of a lot of the uh, keeping up is knowing. But I have to admit, you know, my IT ability is just almost zero these days. My interaction with our CIO at work at American Century is very limited. Uh, she's a very bright lady that we hired from American Airlines some years back. And, uh, you know, it moves so fast. You know, if you're not reading trade publications every day and every week, uh, you know, going to uh, seminars, listening to seminars, blogs, things like that, you know, you're you're uh, falling behind really fast. And that, that's not just a cliche. I, I say that from personal experience. You know, I would never call her now and question her judgment on what she's doing. You know, she comes to the board and gives us a report on security and things like that occasionally. And, you know, I just have to sit there and listen. Uh, I recognize the theme of what she's talking about, but I don't have any understanding about current threats, really, and the type of uh, opportunities that people breach, networks and things these days. It, you know, every week, every month, every year, some smart person finds a new idea of how to do ugly things. So um, you really have to be uh, living in it and working in it. I've comfortably turned it my my hat over to uh, people that are more skilled. Well, I, I suppose a good thing to know know about your yourself as com compared to those who are the operators today as well. Steve, as you look to the future now, uh, what are some of the things that excite you? I I, I know that you're uh, coming to the conclusion of your your uh, the American Century Investments Board. How what are you looking forward to as you as you look ahead? Well, I'm sitting here right now in a 200-year-old house on a farm in Tennessee, and uh, I raise trees here. Uh, so that, that's uh, that's become kind of a hobby, uh, uh, part-time job for me. We planted about 8,000 hardwood trees here on this farm about nine years ago, and uh, I enjoy looking after them, taking care of the land. I love riding my motorcycle. I, I've always had a motorcycle almost my whole life, and uh, I love to get out on these country back roads and uh, see nature. So uh, life is good. You know, I enjoy every day. I, I don't like for something to do. Uh, I think I miss the camaraderie of people on the boards and my, my IT jobs. And I still keep up with several people uh, from all the places I've worked, as a matter of fact. I've, uh, I have a trail of friends across America, you might say, the places I've worked and lived. And uh, that's a good thing. Friends are a good thing. And, and it must give you satisfaction, Steve. I know you've got a number of... Uh former colleagues who've gone on to become chief information officers or heads of tech and di digital of consequential companies as well, that that family tree of yours must give you great satisfaction also. Yes, it does. You know, I've got a CIO at Hartford and I've got one at uh, not Navy Federal, but they're a competitor there, uh, the credit union in uh, Washington, D.C. So yes, yes, I have people that have uh, gone behind me and done very well in their, their careers. And I take pride in that. Uh, and I keep in touch with them. It's, it's really nice to, uh, it's kind of like children. You know, you, you, you knew <laughs> when they were uh, young and uh, learning 
and now you see them uh, fully bloomed in industry leaders. It's it's really a nice feeling. I imagine it must be. Well, uh, Steve Yates, uh, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to share a bit about your career narrative. As I mentioned a couple of times through our conversation, I've really been in awe of the the trailblazing that you did across your career, uh, opening up pathways that others have been able to follow in, in many ways, uh, uh, develop consequential responsibilities that, that continue to be aspirational journeys for many. So it, it's been a pleasure to get to know you a bit, and, and I'm grateful for, for the conversation today. Well, I enjoyed it very much, Peter. I hope maybe it gives somebody uh, excitement about their job. <laughs>